again in Philippians, the third chapter, Philippians chapter 3. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot in the Bible, <laughs> clearly. And um, I know sometimes you think, well, why we get locked in on one passage and we tend to go back to it time and time again. And, and um, not by way of apology, but by way of explanation. And, and of course, first of all, the Holy Spirit's led us to this passage. Um, it's become a foundational passage or golden text, if you will, for the things that he's saying to us as we begin 2018. And so, um, but also, you know, repetition is the mother of learning. In other words, the more we go back to something, the more we become familiar with it, the more it becomes a part of us. Um, the Holy Spirit wants the Word of God to become a part of your personality. It, it becomes so much a part of you that um, your heart is so full of the Word of God that when pressure is applied to you, um, it's the Word of God that comes out of you. Amen. Uh, I heard Dr. Bill Winston say, if you squeeze a ketchup bottle, ketchup comes out. Amen. Because ketchup's in the bottle. And so for the Word of God to be in us in abundance, amen, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, and what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. And, um, of course, you know, when pressure is applied to our lives is when we <laughs> really sometimes hear what's in our hearts. So. Um, but anyway, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse number 7, it says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. I want to read verse 8 to you from the Amplified Version. I understand there's two Amplified Versions now. They've modernized it. Um, this is, I think, what's now referred to as the Amplified Classic. And... Um, Amen. I, I highly recommend the classic version of the Amplified. It is um, much, you know, more involved. It's more words, but again, it amplifies the meaning. So verse 8 says this from the Amplified. Yes, furthermore, I count everything is lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake I have lost everything and considered all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the Anointed One. What the Apostle Paul is talking about here is our growing in relationship with Jesus. Not just having a relationship with Him, but growing in relationship with Him. I had a conversation um, last Sunday night with a brother, and, and he was talking about how, you know, the word that we find in the Scriptures is a word that we use a lot around here, especially in connection with what we're talking about here of late, is the word fellowship. And a lot of times we, we use the word relationship with God when we should instead use the word fellowship because when we talk about relationship, relationship can, can be anything from somebody that you've had a conversation with on the telephone, you know, all the way up to somebody you're married to, right? And everything and everybody in between. So the point being, relationship, if we're not careful, can be 
a very vague term. Do you understand what I mean by vague? In other words, not clearly defined. So you could ask anyone um, if they have a relationship with God, and you realize that even someone who is not born again has, in you know, again, by the loosest definition of the word, a relationship with God because they were created by Him and they will one day stand before Him. And relationship in the sense that they have some connection to Him. Amen. Doesn't mean they're saved, but they are related to Him in some way. Are you following what I'm saying? Um, then you compare that to someone who's been you know, born again. That person certainly has a relationship. And uh, so the, the word that we see, of course, is fellowship. And, and this is referring to something more personal, more intimate, where, you know, there is that knowledge. But there's a word that I want to point out to you from the Amplified Version, and it's the word that we see a lot in this text, and that's the word progressively. Do you see that? That I might, Jesus my Lord, and progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. I want to ask you a question tonight, all right? And it's not a trick question, it's a simple question, really. And I think the answer for everyone in here is yes. Um, but again, I want to ask you nonetheless, do you know how to be a friend? Do you know how to be a friend? Amen. One more time, do you know how to be a friend? I, I mean, we all know that. We, we started learning that when we were kids. Not to say that we couldn't be a better friend to the folks who are our friends, not to say that we couldn't, you know, do a better job in the relationships that we have. But yeah, we, I think we have some idea, at least, of, of what it means to be a friend. But if you think about all the relationships in your life and progress into the ones that are the most personal or the ones that you are, the people that you are the closest to, that closeness did not begin the moment you met them. In other words, relationships are something that progressively develop over time to where you become closer and closer with the person, you share more of your heart, more of your life with them, they share more of their heart, more of their life with you, um, you develop a level of comfort around that person, you develop a level of trust where that person is concerned, that comfort and that trust is often tested by circumstances and situations because again the enemy loves to divide friends and prevent friendships from developing close relationships from developing and so even after that trust and that closeness is tested um, if that friendship will stand the test of time then it would only be strengthened by that trial it would only be strengthened um, by that challenge and um, so again we, we say this a lot around here, but a close friend is a rare, a true friend is a rare and precious gift. And you, I think it was, um, uh, let me see, I want to get this right, but uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton did the duet, you, you Can't Make Old Friends. In other words, it takes time for someone to become an old friend. It takes time for someone to to have that place in that position in your life. And the same is true in your relationship with Christ Jesus the Lord. The same is true 
in your connection with Him in the sense that we have to take what we understand about being a friend and apply that to our relationship with Him. Now, I know this is simple stuff tonight, but please don't, don't miss the importance of, of what I'm telling you. Amen. I was uh, talking with Donald Ballard yesterday morning before breakfast, and, and uh, we were just sharing some things back and forth, and, and um, we are talking about how just the Lord's with us, and he started laughing. He said, I was at Jack's the other day, and um, I was sitting there eating my breakfast before I went to work. He said, and a friend walked up and said, are you by yourself? And he said, I kind of looked at him and grinned and said, well, uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm never by myself, right? Now, there was not another person sitting there, but there was another person with him. Amen. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ was with him. So when the guy says, are you by yourself? Donald recognized to say no would not be truthful. Would not be truthful. When I was a kid, they taught us in Sunday school uh, uh, this concept of practicing the presence of the Lord. And what they simply meant by that was to um, always recognize that when you're in the car, the Lord's with you. In other words, begin to renew and recondition your mind that if He's with you always, even unto the end, if He'll never leave you nor forsake you, then there's nowhere that you will ever go that He's not there with you. And begin to practice that, begin uh, to renew your mind to that. And so, again, that was what, when the person asked Donald, are you by yourself? He's like, no, really I'm not. You know, I, I, to say that I am would not be truthful because of the Lord's presence in his life. Now, we mentioned this this morning. I wanted to go back tonight and kind of fill in the blanks. And, um, you know, when... When we receive the Lord, He gives life to us. And that's where our relationship with Him really begins to take on meaning. In other words, we can only be so close to God, you know, with sin separating us from Him. But through the new birth, He takes that sin completely out of the way. He doesn't just cover over it. But remember what John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. So sin separates us from God, and Jesus came to pay the price for all of our sin. He is one sacrifice for all sin for all time. So even sin that you and I have not yet committed has been taken out of the way so that we have um, open uh, lines of communication and, and open lines of relationship with our Heavenly Father. So when we receive salvation and this gift of righteousness, this right standing, that makes right relationship possible, all of these things are gifts that are given to us not based upon our behavior or performance, but based upon uh, God's grace and what Jesus has done for us. So at this point, our relationship with Him takes on a whole new meaning, and it's this one gift, this, this receiving of the gift of salvation, that makes fellowship with Him possible. Fellowship with Him possible. Now, we then go from having been given life to progressing to having God in our lives. But the Bible says this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. 
So it's one thing to have no life in Christ. It's another thing to be given life in Christ. It's another thing for, to have God in your life. Amen. But then what we're all desiring to progress to is where He becomes our life. He becomes our life. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28 says it this way, For in Him we live and move and have our being. And of course, the Apostle Paul was making this statement in, in one of his sermons, messages, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We are the offspring of God, and in him we live and we move and we have our being. And then another verse that is related to this is in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. And I tell you what, turn there with me because I really want you to see this, and I'm going to put it up on the board, but... Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 17. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your word. Amen. Thank you for your truth. And thank Him for this priceless privilege of being able to know Him. I know I've said this before, and, I, and I'm, I'm really just, you know, this is one of the most enjoyable, but it's been one of the most challenging subjects that I've ever you know, been assigned to preach on, and, um, you know, it, <laughs> it almost like just, you know, stand up in front of everybody and say, okay, know Jesus, do what it takes to know Jesus, be a friend to Jesus, get to know him better, you know, I don't mean just be like saying the same thing over and over and over again, obviously the Holy Spirit's expounding on this as we launch out into it Sunday after Sunday, um, but, you know, this priceless privilege you know, think of your favorite sports personality, your favorite entertainment personality, your favorite music personality, whatever. I mean, people that you look up to, people that you admire. For that matter, folks, and, you know, um, I, I would, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with Rick Renner. You know, I'd, I'd love to uh, pick Jesse Duplantis' brain. You know, I, you understand what I'm saying? But, you know, unless the Lord made a way for that to happen, are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? I mean, these folks live in different states. Rick Renner lives in Russia. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And um, very, very busy people. Um, so, in other words, unless God facilitated it, for me to have a close personal relationship, for me to have uh, daily fellowship with, with these men, it, it's, it's impossible. But yet, daily fellowship with Jesus is possible. Knowing Him is available to you being close to Him, having conversations with Him throughout the day, having the opportunity for Him to speak into your life, for Him to give you advice, for Him to give you direction, for Him to give you encouragement, for Him to give you support, for Him to give you insight. All of that is available to you. All of that is, is, is on the table for you and for me. Amen. It's this priceless privilege. Now, we're talking about this progressive development in our relationship with the Lord and, and this is what Paul recognized that as in the case as is the case with any individual you get to you know about this person you meet this person you become acquainted with this person um, you develop you know progressively over time you know I remember the first first night I met Pam first I can tell you where I was standing when I heard her name you know I was behind the counter at Chick-fil-a in Western Hills Mall right some of the guys from the youth group were telling me about the new girl. Amen. First time I heard her name. Heard her name before I ever saw her face. You follow what I'm saying? 
Then later that night, I, I was introduced to her. Uh, we, we weren't married the next day. We didn't even go out on a date the next day. It was some time later that we actually went on a date. You follow what I'm saying? Matter of fact, when I decided I was going to go on a date with her was when she came into that same Chick-fil-A a few weeks later on a date and introduced me to a guy she was on a date with. And when she walked off, I looked at Meredith worked with me there at Chick-fil-A and I looked at her and I said, I hope he enjoys this date because it's going to be his last one. Amen. It's going to be his last one, right? Amen. So our relationship has continued to develop 30 some odd years later after being married. We're still growing in our relationship and love. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. So this is what he's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, really I probably should have began at at verse 14, but what we've jumped into the middle of here is another one of the Apostle Paul's uh, prayers for the church. In other words, things that he prayed over believers concerning their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's, let's do that. Let's begin. We'll take a moment to do it. Verse 14 is where this prayer begins. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, of course, he's talking about us coming to a personal experiential knowledge of the tremendous, unsearchable love that God has for us. And, of course, that love has been manifested, revealed, demonstrated, put on display, in the person of Jesus Christ. And he is saying that through a relationship with him, we discover the depths of his love. When he's talking about the height, the length, the breadth, the width, he's talking about the full dimension, the full dimension of the love that God has for you. And notice that it's through this knowledge of his love for you that you are filled with all the things that he is full of, filled with all the fullness of God. The joy, the peace, all the things that that are alive and active and overflowing in the heart of God tonight, becoming alive and active and overflowing in your heart through this relationship and growing in this relationship with him. Now, of these different things that the Apostle Paul prayed over the churches, and I encourage you to take these prayers and pray them over yourself, over your family, over my family, over our family of faith. Amen. In verse 17, we see a very unique prayer or a very unique point that he's making. And he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And again, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So let's take that phrase, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This letter was written to the church at Ephesus. You still with me? Written to the church at Ephesus, meaning this letter 
was written to people who have already been born again. So when the Apostle Paul says, I'm praying that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, he's not praying that they will be saved. They've already been saved. He's not praying that they will be saved again because once you've been saved, you don't have to be saved again. So how are we to understand what he's talking about here? Well, he's talking about the relationship that has already been established, the connection that's already been established, the fellowship that has already been made possible through their new birth, that that relationship would continue to grow and develop. And the idea behind um, Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith, let me, let me give you the Weist translation of this. The Weist translation is that the Christ might finally settle down and feel completely at home in your hearts through faith. So he's not talking about establishing the relationship, but he's talking about the growth or the progressive development and maturing of the relationship that has already been established through the new birth, through the receiving of salvation. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is really, really important. So I was trying to think of a way, you know, to put this in terms where you and I could understand it. And I want you to think with me for a moment about the difference... Let's say that you open up your home to someone that maybe you just met this person. You know, maybe they're a friend of somebody that you are pretty close to and they bring that individual to your home, okay? Well, obviously, you know, you've welcomed them there. You're, you're glad that they're there. Um, but, you know, compare that to someone being in your home that you are very close with and therefore very comfortable being around. You, am I out on a limb this, morning, or this evening? You find know what I'm saying here? In other words, there are folks that, you know, you go spend some time with them, go out to eat or what have you. People that you've got an established relationship with, you're comfortable around them, they're comfortable around you, Amen. Uh, but then, but let's say, uh, you know, your wife gets a new job and <laughs> you go for the first time to have dinner at a restaurant with her new colleagues. It's not the same as, you know, going to the wing shop and eating wings with your buddies. You're not as comfortable around. Now, that doesn't mean that over time you can't become comfortable around these new folks, Okay. But there is, there is a level of comfort that develops through relationship, amen, that makes it enjoyable. So when it's someone that you're really, really comfortable with, you look forward to them coming to your home. When it's someone that you're not that comfortable with, it's, it's hard for you to, I don't know if relax is too strong of a word, but you understand what I mean. It, it, how about this, you know, when it's someone that you don't know or is, is new or maybe the first time to your home, notice how you're, you know, sticking stuff in all the closets, cleaning everything up versus somebody that you're comfortable with, you know, they can come in and, and uh, amen, there can be dishes in the sink, it's not that big a deal, right? You follow, you, amen, I think you maybe got it already, all right? So, but there's actually another level to this as well, and this is someone that lives with you in your home on a full-time basis. Amen. This is someone that, that um, 
I mean, you have become just not just comfortable with, but you are uncomfortable when they're not around. Do you see the difference in that, right? I mean, it's, it's not just somebody that you enjoy their company. It's like, man, you know, best of friends. When it's time to go, it's time to go, right? But, you know, I remember Pam and I were married for a long time before we ever spent a night apart. Um, and uh, that, that was hard, right? Was, I was not comfortable with that. Amen, because I had become very comfortable um, being with her. And so again, this is, this is what we're talking about here, where we go from receiving life from Jesus to having Him in our lives to where He becomes our life. So when Paul says that He would dwell in your hearts through faith, he's talking about this adjustment period where, where we become more and more comfortable with Him Right? Amen. Where, praise God. You understand what I'm saying here? Where, where we get used to Him being with us. Where, where He becomes a part. He becomes integrated in to who we are, what we do, where we go, what we watch, what we listen to. And, um, and it just develops, amen, progressively over time. Amen. All right, let me, I'm on, let me finish right here. Okay, and this is, oh, just... I want to put this out there for you to consider. Some of you already know these things. Some of you are new to these things. Some of you just, we all need to be reminded of it. Let's just say it that way. I want you to begin to think. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes this evening, I want you to write these words down, okay? The person of Jesus Christ. Or just the person of Jesus. You don't have to put the... Christ is not his last name, it's his title. It means the anointed one. Amen. When Jesus was born, Jesus was as common a name as, as Mark or Joe or John or whatever in our world today. Um, obviously, you know, we, some of our Hispanic brothers, they would, but it's Jesus, not Jesus. Um, so Jesus was a very common name. Jesus probably went to school with a lot of people named Jesus, right? So he is Jesus from Nazareth, or he is most importantly Jesus the Christ. Jesus, um, the anointed one. Amen. So again, the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from his deity. I'm not trying to take anything away from his lordship, his divinity, all the things that that make him God. Please hear me, okay? But he came to you and to me as a person. He introduced himself to us by the Holy Spirit as a person. He wants to have fellowship with you as a person from his heart to yours and from your heart to his. He wants you to think of him as a person in the same way Father God wants you to think of him as a person, as a father, as a good father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say pray to God. He said, pray to our Father, talk to our Dad about these things. He wants you to understand Him and recognize Him and to treat Him even as a person, as a person. Now, if that makes you uh, a, a bit uneasy, just hear me out, please, right? Again, I'm not saying to um, diminish His deity, that's not what I'm saying. 
But I think for so many people, because we have put Him in this category of God, of, of Creator, of unapproachable light, you know, all, all of these other things, that we view Him more as an entity than a person. We view Him more as an institution than a person. We view Him more as a force of the universe than we view Him as a person. Now, let me remind you that everything that makes a person a person came from the person who created all people. In other words, we were created in the image and likeness of God. Everything that we understand about a person or people and what it means to be a person, what it, what it means to be an individual, all of those things came from and exist in that individual because they were created in the image and likeness of God. You see, we have emotions this evening because we were created in the image and likeness of an emotional God. The full spectrum of human emotion did not originate with us and is now being reflected upon God, but it originated with God and exists in us because He knew what it was like to be angry first. He knew what it was like to be jealous first. He knew what it was like to experience joy first. He, are you understand what I'm saying? All of these emotions were in the Trinity, in the Godhead, before Adam was ever created. Before we were ever created in the image and likeness of God to look like God looks and to function the way He functions. So when we say to treat Him as and understand Him as a person, the person of Jesus Christ, He is a person in the sense that He has the same emotions that you have. He has the same, can we use this word, feelings that you have. In other words, He knows what it is to experience joy, and we experience joy because He experiences it first, amen, and created us to get in on what He's in on. Amen. Now, what does that mean? Well, this again helps me, and I hope it helps you, right? The Bible makes it very clear that when we give our hearts to another in opposition to Him, it affects Him emotionally. Are you following what I'm saying here? Um, I, was, uh, I was told, Dwight Casey told me this. Um, some folks in the room know who Dwight is, praise God. Um, we worked at Midfield Auto Auction together. And he's older than me, and, and uh, uh, we worked a gate out there at the, at the auction Brother Jerry and Matt and myself, Richard Presswood, it was, I don't know, it was, I was just there for the hot dogs and the, and the fun. It was, it was a good time out there. And, um, but Dwight had had his first child. And at this time, I was probably 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. And um, I'll never forget, man, I've never seen him like this. His, his eyes got real moist. I mean, almost, he didn't cry, but it was almost like tears about to come out of his eyes. And he looked me in the face and he said, he said, Mark, you will never know how much your parents love you until you have your own child. And it's true. I remember him saying, it was such a, it was such a poignant moment. It was such a, you know, we're just out there just, you know, breathing dust and having a good time, you know. And there was, I wasn't looking for some deep, I was like, 
I was like, hey man, wife and kid doing okay? You know, I was just kind of real lighthearted kind of thing. You know, he turns in those eyes and he's like, you will never know how much they love you till you have your own child, right? Amen. I was like, dude, this guy's serious. And I, I remember that. I remember I even tried to imagine like what he meant by that because it was, it was a different perspective on a parent's love, right? It was from, it was the difference between going from the receiving end of it to the giving side of it. Amen. And sure enough, I, I, that first day that I held Bethany, his, ear, his words were echoing in my ears, in my heart. So the, the point that I'm making is sometimes it's very easy for us to think or ignore or pretend that somehow the choices we make have no influence on him. That somehow what we do has no impact on him. That when we give our hearts to another, he's just like, well, whatever, I got a seven billion other people I can focus on today. But see, that's, that's not who he is. That's not who he is. And so when, when Paul is praying that Christ would finally settle down, that Jesus would, tr- would finally settle down and be at home in your heart, he's talking about you and me becoming not just aware of him, but aware of his person. You know, if, if you had a guest come and stay in your home, well, again, hospitality would say, let's do whatever we can to make this guest comfortable. The difference here is that Jesus hasn't come to stay with you for a few nights um, until, you know, they get through painting his bedroom in heaven or something. He, he's with you to stay. And... So developing and progressing in this relationship, in other words, recognizing his person, recognizing that when we reject him, it hurts his feelings. It is possible for him, are you following what I'm saying, to be grieved by us. Is that not a phenomenal thought? I mean, just the, the very thought of it. But it is possible for you to grieve him. It is possible for you to cause an emotional response within him because you left him out of something. Come on now, does anybody like to be left out by your friends? Anybody like for your friends to, to leave you out of stuff? Amen. It's one, of the, it's one of the things, you know, for me when we do the men's breakfast. You, know, you hear different folks start texting people, and I'm like, man, if you text everybody you can think of, because don't leave anybody out, you know what I'm saying, to remind them of the men's breakfast. Praise God, I was Saturday morning fixing to eat in 20 minutes. But anyway, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, the idea is, you know, I think we all know what it feels like to be left out. And anybody in here who's strong in empathy, you want to make sure that folks aren't left out. Amen. And so, but have you ever stopped to consider, see, we think, well, he's just bulletproof. Being left out of stuff doesn't affect him. No, the person of Jesus Christ. It does affect, it does affect him when you leave him out. I don't, listen, I've, I've got some heavy stuff. We'll get to the heavy stuff next Sunday. I said, man, these folks here on a Super Bowl Sunday night, we're going to try to keep this as, as uh, straight up as we can, you know. Um, but the reality of it is this, and this is going to be the strongest thing I say, and then we'll pray, okay? Man, we treat Jesus in ways that we would never treat our friends. You follow what I'm saying? That's why, I, do, you know what it, do you know how to be a friend? Amen then be a friend to him. Be a friend to him. Treat him like a friend. Treat him like you want your friends to treat you. Include him like you want the most important people in your life to include you. Amen. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. You are speaking to our hearts tonight. Lord, I thank you that we're hearing what you're saying to us. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is not just present in this room, but he is present on the inside of every born-again person in this room. And of all that he's been assigned to do, perhaps the most important thing is the Holy Spirit. Father, you gave him to us so that he could help us know Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are making us more aware of the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. More aware of who He is, not just as some entity in the far reaches of outer space and beyond in heaven somewhere off a zillion light years away, but that He is a very present help and a very real individual with feelings, with emotions. He knows how to laugh with us. He knows how to cry with us. He knows, Father, how to enjoy life and help us enjoy it. He makes everything better that he's a part of, Lord. So help us learn the, the critically important lesson of involving him and including him in every area and detail of our lives. Father, may we think about him before we fall asleep at night and may he be the first thoughts that come to our minds when we wake up in the morning. May we begin to interact with Him and engage Him. Father, help us to do this by the Holy Spirit. Interact with Jesus. Speak with Him. Engage Him in ways and in levels uh, and in situations that perhaps we've never previously considered. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for this priceless privilege. Teach us how to make the most of it. Lord, not just for our benefit, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Malachi that every time people assemble to talk about the Lord, he records it in a book. So one day, a million years from now, you can find on this page in the book where you assembled on this night. We love you. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday, if not before. Good things coming.